Welcome to the Human and Technology Podcast. This podcast is for anyone who develops, distributes or uses technology. For all those who always have the feeling that technology overwhelms or dominates them. For everyone who wants to know how to deal with technology in everyday life. For anyone who wants to understand what technology does to us and how we can get our lives back. This podcast is for those who want to make technology sexy. All the product developers, designers, UX, UI professionals, product managers, CTOs and CEOs. And it is for you. My name is Dr. Peter Reska. My friends call me Dr. Peter. I am your host and I am happy that you are here. It's interview time again on the Human Technology Podcast. I'm having Tero Sarkian here for an interview. Tero is a founder and CEO of Basemark. They are providing a tool and services around augmented reality in automotive HMI. He will talk about this, what they're doing and how he came to this. And yes, um, I found it a very interesting, uh, very fruitful interview for me. You will easily hear that Tero is uh, from Finland. And uh, before the interview, he said to me, I will try to be more talkative than Kimi Raikunen. You may know Kimi Raikunen. He was a very popular Formula One driver and very famous for his extremely short, uh, very focused, sometimes a bit rude answers in interviews. And uh, yes, Tero was clearly more talkative, very interesting. I wish you a lot of fun with today's episode of the Human Technology Podcast. So, we have Tero Sakinen on the Human Technology Podcast today. I'm super happy that he joins us today. Um, I think he's a very interesting person, and uh, he will talk a bit about himself in the interview, about his company called Basemark. I know these guys a little bit, so for me, it will also be a learning experience. So, Tero, welcome to the Human Technology Podcast. Great. Thank you, Peter. And it's really great uh, to be here. So thank you for the opportunity. And I look forward to doing a nice interview. Hopefully will be lots of uh, interest and value to to all the listeners. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely sure about this one. Let's start with you. Tell us a bit about you. Who are you and what brought you into the position where you are today? Yeah, it's uh, it's actually interesting to look at it in retrospective. When I was a kid, VIC-20 arrived and then Commodore 64. And I did some, obviously, first basic coding. And when that was low. Then I learned assembly, <laughs> the, the real hardcore assembly. And uh, even managed to get some small pieces uh, published in the computer magazines at that time. So, um, so that left me with a little bit of uh, software engineer in my heart. But then as the life uh, took me along, I, I find myself then graduating from business school, Aalto in Helsinki. 
And uh, from there, I went to work for a telco. And then pretty soon thereafter, I started my, then that would become my career for now about 25 years, which has been uh, computer graphics and now computer vision and AI. All right. So I ask all my guests here in the, in, in the podcast, what is the reason why you stand up every morning? I'm thoroughly motivated and, and consumed by the passion of uh, building something new, uh, building a business uh, that solves important uh, issues that customers have or, or that makes the world in general a better place. That is, that is really, I get the kicks out of seeing that, hey, we found and identified a new business opportunity, a new product, a new service, and we were able to find a customer or the first customers for that. And we, we can grow as a company, as a team, and the customers are happy. So this, this thrill of sort of uh, making something out of, out of nothing, so to speak. So that is, that really gives me a big re reward. Mm -hmm. Okay, so your company is Basemark. I'm pretty sure very a low number of my listeners have heard about Basemark. Most of them probably will not have heard anything about Basemark. So tell us a bit about Basemark. What, what are you doing? What is your product? Yes, uh, it's very true that most people haven't heard about Basemark, but many people probably know one of our customers, BMW. And uh, every new model that ships from uh, last spring onwards has our augmented reality applications in, in it. And that is, uh, we have a public uh, reference permission from BMW to tell uh, exactly this, that we are behind those. And we are super proud of that. And so what Basemark does, we are a software company and we help our customers who are the OEMs such as BMW to create and, and offer totally new AR experiences and uh, features and functions in cars. So we, we have a full in-house computer vision stack, full in-house, uh, very fast graphics pipeline, a lot of trained networks and algorithms and, and applications that enable us to, or, or our customers to really rapidly develop fantastic AR that go, ships in as part of the cars. So are you delivering a, let's say, ready-to-use software or are you delivering a tool to develop software or is it something in the middle like a, I don't know, SDK uh, kind of product? Yes, we, uh, we are supporting our OVM customers in any way they want, uh, but our big development uh, investment is in ex exactly developing this kind of a product. It's a studio kind of a developer tool, low code um, environment for rapidly putting together and developing AR application from, you know, sensor integration, sensor fusion, and then uh, how the graphics behave under different circumstances. So that is what we are primarily marketing. But some customers are quite happy to just order also like a, a development project from us 
Well, we will use our own tools, obviously, but we also uh, have a customers who want to develop by themselves. As we now see a lot of car OEMs hiring a lot of software developers in-house, and uh, we are just very happy to license these productivity development tools for them. Okay, so you are basically having this tool ready and all the technology around it, and you can deliver a full software, but you can also deliver the tool and then your customers can turn this into a product. And that is correct. And uh, in many cases, uh, the first project with a customer is that we develop something for them, let's say lane departure warning system, and at the same time train their, their engineers to use our tooling so that they can then further develop, modify, or even develop uh, totally new AR applications using our tooling. So you, you talk about AR applications, and I'm aware that you have a strong focus on these augmented reality um, applications so that you put something into the driver's line of sight that matches somehow the environment and then puts additional information, an additional layer of information over the reality. So first of all, is that correct? And second, how do you do this? Yes, that's uh, exactly correct. And uh, now when people think of AR, they somehow only think of AR in a heads-up display where it indeed it is uh, in, in your line of sight. So that is certainly, a, it's an important um, screen uh, for, uh, or real estate, screen real estate for AR. But there's also already a lot of existing screens in cars, digital instrument cluster, the center display, and now e-mirrors are coming. So all of those also benefit a lot from uh, AR applications. And when when we uh, deploy or when our customers develop AR application for an existing screen, like a, let's say instrument cluster, one um, quite popular use case is uh, AR navigation. So you would see first, uh, you know, your regular 2D or 3D graphical map and navigation. And then when you approach, let's say an intersection, uh, then it switches onto a video feed that shows the road ahead and then clear, very intuitive and very buttery smooth AR navigation guides that seem, uh, seem to be like glued to the environment. So they seem to be part of the real physical environment in the screen. And that is the magic that we, we provide. So we have all these high-tech um, AI-based positioning and motion compensation and anti-vibration and these kinds of things running, let's say, under the hood. Yeah, I, I think that creates the real value in your technology, right? Just putting something in front of the driver is one thing, but all the things that run under the hood, like the compensation things, um, I have the idea that, that uh, we have the parallaxy problems, um, that, that uh, there's a small eye box. And then if you move, if the driver moves in the seat or if it takes a different position, um, then you have to recalibrate the entire, let's say, mechanics, um, the entire graphics uh, to, to leave them where they are. Is that right? 
Yes, that is uh, indeed one one challenge in a heads-up display system, uh, and that's why we also have a, a driver uh, monitoring system. So the system needs to know exactly uh, at what height and and uh, how at what position is the driver's head and where the driver is looking towards, and that has to be taken into account before you can render things onto the. Uh, heads-up display itself. So if, if I move my head towards left, uh, then actually in order so that the AR graphics appear that they are there where my brain expects them to be, a lot of heavy-duty <laughs> weightlifting in compute has to happen and we need to compensate and sort of uh, take into account a new perspective. Yeah, yeah okay, cool. Um, once we're talking about tools, I mean, there are many tools out there. How do you relate to, for example, CGI Studio, Qt, or Kanzi to, to the, let's say, the big implementation, HMI implementation tools? Do you uh, compete with them? Do you add on to them? Um, do you maybe cooperate with one of them? Yeah, uh, so we actually have a lot of... Um partnering uh, partnership talks going on with those guys and uh, also I, I do have to say that I founded a company called Rightware that provides the world leading automotive industry leading Kanzi HMI tool so I know that world pretty well but whereas those tools are really great for uh, designing um, HMIs that are let's say mostly like static or then this uh, AR is totally different world and with um, it even though both involve computer graphics, the calculations to arrive into what graphics to show when and where are totally from different world. And so if I think of our uh, software development where we invest and develop, it's 80% computer vision and AI and maybe 20% graphics. Uh, and so many OEMs are already using some HMI framework and uh, we are quite naturally, we can, let's say, plug into that and then offer uh, all these, our magic uh, source, as I said, uh, all these under the hood positioning and compensation and uh, dynamic uh, AR calculations. Okay, that sounds absolutely reasonable. So you add on, you have filled or you have found a gap with this augmented reality and you're compatible with what is out there on the market to allow your customers to keep their own development tool chains alive, but integrate your technology and the value that you create. Yes, in, indeed. And it's a little bit analogous also, like, let's say, navigation mapping companies uh, like TomTom uh, and, and here and, uh, and say Google Maps. Uh, those are from our point of view, um, source of data. And uh, we do what we do the best, and that is take that data and, and then calculate when to show it so that it looks absolutely beautiful to the driver and natural. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. I'm having projects at the moment um, where tools like Figma, Sketch, or Photoshop play a certain role. How do you relate to them? Can Photoshop graphics be integrated? Can you use Figma um, uh, HMI developments? Or is mm -hmm. this some kind of separate um, yeah. tooling? 
Uh, yeah, so Photoshop and, and uh, graphics from 3D modeling tools such as 3ds Max, those uh, are like uh, source data or graphics asset provider tools that work together with our um, our studio. Uh, Figma is actually quite interesting, and we have uh, started uh, studying uh, how we can also integrate seamlessly into that so that people can do rapid prototyping and then with our tool take that same prototype and leverage it and, and very rapidly deploy it then to a serious production car. So we that's our also one of our strengths. So when you develop with our studio, even though you develop on a desktop, then it's like one click deployment and you can have it running on your automotive ECU, let's say some something from Qualcomm or NVIDIA, things like this. All right. So again, um, I thought you may have mentioned, yeah, this is a competitor. This is not a competitor. Um, it seems like you have pretty much of a standalone tool. That's that's absolutely unique what you do, right? Yes. Uh, we have studied the market and a tool like this does not exist yet. This is a little bit the same like when I found it right where there was simply no automotive HMI tool. Uh, created it, and then you know, we got I think over fifty percent global market share on, on on commercial or in serious production deployments on instrument clusters. And I see now exactly the same need for robust AR solution. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I think that's 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 a cool kind of thinking. Um, final question out of this area where I wanted to talk about. Um, you said BMW is a client. Uh, I don't know whether you're allowed to talk about it, but are there any, any other OEMs, any other car makers or first-tier suppliers um, you are talking to, you're working for, maybe already products in the pipeline? We've got many, but uh, indeed, um, I can't publicly um, disclose those, but I can characterize that we are quite a bit focused on European and US markets, and we've got uh, big OEMs and all the best known, well-known premium manufacturers in, in both continents. And um, so let's say that there's a broad demand uh, for our solutions. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I can, I can see this. Uh, I have been at the car HMI uh, this week and augmented reality is one of the top things. Everybody is discussing it. And um it seems like you are having one of the very, very few solutions to bring this to life and to have this in cars in a foreseeable time frame. Sorry, All could right. you re repeat that? There was a connection problem. Okay. Um, I said I was at the car HMI and um, augmented reality is uh, a top thing everybody is discussing about. And it seems like you are having um, a top priority solution, a very good solution and almost the only solution um, to bring this one on the road in a foreseeable time frame. Yes, I, I, I witnessed the same thing. And uh, uh, AR has ma been making this sort of uh, coming and, and uh, then uh, interest dissipated. And this was maybe in the like consumer segment. We are talking about 2015 there was a kind of a craze and went off a little bit but now uh, automotive industry has really found so solid use cases 
that save lives and increase the comfort in a big way. And these are things that matter. So with this uh, AR, uh, for instance, uh, pedestrian warning, we can help to reduce accidents on the road dramatically. And the same goes for lane departure warnings and, and many other things. And I'm really, really happy about that. And then, of course, it doesn't hurt that Apple <laughs> introduces uh, AR AR headset just a couple of weeks ago. So now AR is on everybody's lips. Yep, yep, yep. And I, I really like the idea. It's it's not a fun kind of thing. Um, I, I believe um, the, the Apple augmented reality will be very entertainment-oriented, very gaming-oriented. Um, but uh, what, what you do is more safety-oriented. So you will save lives on roads. Um, you will make driving easier, smoother, less demanding, and safer at the very end of the day. Yes, this is exactly, and that's also a huge source of motivation for all base Markians, including myself. That's really great. Great to be part of that and helping to change the world, doing our small part in it. Okay. Cool. So once we're talking about this, how do you see the developments in the automotive HMIs? What what are the hot topics from your side? What what is the next things that come up if you are in a car and um yeah, what, what what's happening next from your point of view? Um there's many many things now happening at the really fast fast speed. Uh of of course most relevant for us is this uh, how humans how us humans are able to trust more um, cars that are becoming more and more self-driving. And according to so many studies, people don't really trust. They don't understand why the car is slowing down or rapidly, you know, changing lane or, or something. And when this happens, you know, usually even from the first time, then people turn off these, these features because they didn't understand why the car was behaving that way. And that's a big thing for AR. Well, AR can help us humans to understand that, hey, car saw there in a distant uh, motorbike that was approaching, let's say, in a trajectory that we, we would hit them, uh, hit that unless we now slow down or, or do a maneuver. Uh, so examples like this, I think, are really big. The uh, other that is we are seeing now is uh, of course is the gamification and the interactive entertainment uh, especially on passenger screens and uh, maybe later when we have fully autonomous cars then also on the drivers for the drivers um, entertainment and with ar you can obviously do a lot of very very cool game game like and interactive and fun applications now this is what we see Okay, yeah, that's cool. Um, you, you talked about the the automation and, and the information about what's the uh, what's the car doing next. My wife has a level two automation car, and uh, I experienced exactly what what you talked about. Um, that sometimes I was so unsure what's going to happen and and why is this car breaking right now that I just turned off the system and used it in a level zero mode, um, uh, all driving by myself, which is definitely not um uh, the, the 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 sense it doesn't make any sense with these systems i mean you have them you have paid for them they're on board they're providing safety and you do not use them because you do not trust them in, in an appropriate way 
And, and you see um, augmented reality, uh, if I get you right, as a tool to regain the trust and or to build up trust. Yes, absolutely. And uh, this is also what the studies prove on, and show that this is indeed the case. Uh, so when the car is able to communicate better about its intentions and how it interprets, uh, then that increases the trust that uh, people have in the car system. And if you look at statistics, uh, then it's usually usually already better that the car drives itself on many, many uh, scenarios. Even though every one of us, of course, is much better driver than the average, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Eighty percent of all drivers <laughs> believe that they are uh, better than the rest. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. All right. So beyond HMI, um, you all talked about um, safety is an issue, trust is an issue, um, and we are running through all this connectivity, automated, shared, electric case um, thing that, that's going on at the moment. Um, how do you see it as one of the top professionals uh, out of our industry? What What is coming um, what, what do we have to prepare for as users and as an industry in, in the next years? Yes, everything will be connected. There's more and more software. There's, um, there can be more and more bugs that will surface after, after some time or in some scenarios. And there are hackers and um, it's really horrible to think about the scenario where somebody is able to hack, say, a thousand cars in one city and start to command those at the same time. That's, uh, that's really a scenario that everyone in the industry wants to avoid. And cybersecurity is going to be super critical and uh, because customers demand frequent updates, so over-the-air updates, that also has then the, the tie-in for the security uh, of the systems so that is uh, that should be absolutely high priority and it is for the for the you know responsible audience mm -hmm. okay your, your sound is a little muffled have you covered your microphone a bit so okay is it better yeah. now yeah. yeah perfect perfect that's okay. let's yep. go back to the good level no problem so um, we are already coming pretty much towards the ends of our little interview here. Um, final question. Is there anything you would like to drop to my listeners? Anything beyond what you have already told about? Maybe any wisdom or recommendations, any advice? I know that many of my students, for example, listen to this podcast Um so maybe you can give them an advice or maybe you have read an interesting book or seen an interesting exhibit on some show. Anything where you believe this is something that you can give as a little gift to my listeners. Yes, it was cutting off a little bit. But uh, one quite interesting study or, and also this uh, eternal question that what will an autonomous car do if, uh, if it sees let's say grandma and uh, and a toddler on the street and its systems tell that it it can avoid hitting only one of them which one will the car choose yeah so mm -hmm. here here we go to the cruise of the also one of the hot topics uh, the large language models and like does the current state of ai have this kind of uh, sense 
And I think that the answer today is no. But then, like, should it have? And if it's one day has that, what does that mean to the humanity? <laughs> That's a question that if if someone can give a really good answer, that can yeah. give quite a big wisdom. You, you, you are talking for the ethical question of uh, the behavior that shall be implemented yeah. in fully autonomous or highly automated uh, vehicles. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I believe um, if we don't solve this, um, we will not be able to have fully autonomous cars in, on large scale on, on public roads. So I think, yes, yeah. I fully agree with you that that is something that we need to think about and that we need to yeah. solve. Yes, and if cars will have ethics uh, or these kinds of value-based rules, then um, it, it is interesting to think if, let's say, cars produced in Asia will have different values than cars produced in, say, Germany or US. And what will happen when we have these cars mixed on the roads? Yeah, yeah. so so one of these presenters at the car HMI asked, um, who should be run over, the, the toddler or, or the grandma? And uh, in Western countries, we say, okay, the toddler is having its life before him or her so uh, we run over the grandma and in asia it's the opposite thing um they say no uh, there's a high value in in high age and in high experience so we, we uh leave the the grandma alive <laughs> yep this can be interesting yeah i mean that's that's a cross-cultural issue and uh you're totally right i mean we will have cars from asia from europe from the us mixed on roads and we'll have cars with and without ethical um programming on road or ethic-based uh, uh, programming on road decision making, um, that will be an interesting mix. And and um, yeah, I haven't thought about this. So thank mm -hmm. thanks for dropping this. And um, mm -hmm. I think this is is a very inspiring thought. Yeah, calm cars come from Germany and temperamentic from Italy, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> okay, Tero. Um, thanks a lot for joining us here and uh, for giving your insights on this. Um, I found it extremely interesting. I learned a lot um, about what Basemark is doing, about what you are doing, and um, yeah, about your thoughts on, on the future of the automotive industry. So thanks a lot uh, for being my guest, and I wish you all the best. Thank you, Peter, and thank you all listeners. This has been really uh, my pleasure, and uh, I wish all the best uh, in the show, and uh, thank you once again. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's it for today. Thank you for spending time with me. I hope you were able to take something with you, and do something for yourself that will be forever. For an unknown exchange, you will find me on LinkedIn and on my websites peter-rusker.com and beyond-hmi.de Write me an email on the podcast at beyond-hmi.de Tune in next time, take care and stay healthy.